0: Greetings, friends. Welcome back to Critically Acclaimed, the film review podcast where we do great work reviewing films. We try. (laughs) We review films. Hmm. Uh, My name is Whitney Seibold. I am a film critic. I review films. Hmm. With me, as always, is my scintillating and incredibly intelligent, talented, and popular co-host, Willing, why don't you introduce
1: yourself? You know... I usually fight your compliments, tooth and nail, but I've been going through a lot of therapy, so I'm just going to say thank you. There you go. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Um, my name is William DeBiani. I am a critic. Everybody calls me Bibs, and we mostly review films. Mostly. Uh, <laughs> that,
0: that's what this podcast is for.
1: Indeed. We review other
0: things as well, Mostly, but you have to go to the other podcasts yeah, for that.
1: I guess it is kind of 50-50 nowadays, isn't it, with <laughs> all of our Patreon podcasts? Yeah, we, do a, lot of, we well, do a lot of TV, too. But we, did, we are reviewing a feature film based on a TV program. That's true. Uh, we are reviewing a bunch of new movies this week on Critically Claimed, including Paw Patrol, the movie. They made a movie. What? Reminiscence, The Nighthouse, Demonic, The Protégé, and CryptoZoo. I don't know why I said it yeah, like that.
0: Because yeah, yeah, I, I guess you're turning into Mr. Movie Phone. Oh, yeah. going to take the job away from Grey Drake. Oh, does, she, does she do
1: the... If you call in, do you hear Grey's voice now?
0: Uh, you know what? Every, every so often, I will call 777-FILM just to see. And it, it has been disconnected for quite some time.
1: Oh, no. Yeah. Someone yeah. needs to buy that number back. <laughs> Someone needs to just get the number and like just do something with it. Uh, it. It occurs to me that a lot of our listeners probably don't know what Movie Phone is.
0: Like the phone part.
1: So it used to be... We've explained it
0: before, but... Before uh, the
1: internet was available in everyone's, like, pocket, uh, you didn't necessarily know where movies were playing. And this is is the most important thing we still had newspapers for. Because they had in the the entertainment or the calendar section, as we have in the LA Times, they would have listings at all the local movie theaters and all the local times for all the local movies. hmm. Uh, However, if you were out and about... And you wanted to know what a movie was playing. Or if you just don't have a recent newspaper which is a thing that could happen. Mm. You could call a phone number and you would hear advertisements for movies and you could like type in the, the, the name of the movie you wanted to hear uh, times for mm. and they would tell you based on your zip code where they were playing, yeah, you, you when would, they were playing.
0: You would dial uh, your area code and 777 film and you'd enter your area code and the first three letters of the movie title, mm-hmm. which distressed me when movies like Go... Came out Oh yeah Because uh, they had to like Add an extra Option for that mm-hmm. And yeah They would tell you Which uh, local theaters And they would at, at, Sort sorted of by distance How far away they were uh, You could get Like more and more theaters That were playing That particular movie And yep. the times it was showing It's
1: kind of irrelevant now Because we can just Check on the internet It's a little bit more convenient But mm-hmm. You know I feel like there's Nostalgia for this I feel like if someone Could purchase the number And do something fun with it There you go Yeah I don't know Everyone's texting now. Anyway, no one's actually using their phone. How, um, how long before you could just
0: dial in the audio of a feature film? You just hear the whole movie. Not like new films. I know they'd want to protect those. Oh, sure. But like dial in like a classic movie, and you just hear all the
1: audio for one of your favorite films. That's an interesting idea. Um, that sounds did, like an app more than anything else.
0: Did Did you ever use an audio cassette to tape the audio, just the
1: audio of your favorite movies? You know, I know a lot of people and who did that. To it. I know a lot of people who did that. I never did. I, I did it occasionally. Yeah. Okay, I was using my uh, the handheld tape recorder that I was able to acquire uh, when I was a kid mm. uh, to do radio shows, and I would there interview you. myself because I saw the movie <laughs> The Commitments, and the guy in The Commitments did that, and I thought it was pretty clever. Yeah. Um, I hope those tapes still exist. They somewhere. do not. Oh, they have long bad. since been destroyed. <laughs> Just got threw them in front of a damn big rolly thing. What's that big rolly thing? Steamroller. Steamroller. <laughs> Or,
0: or a, I think, a, a
1: resurfacer? No, movie? it was a steamroller. Steamroller. I threw in front of a steamroller, which would have been funny oh. if I had said it the first time instead of needing you to tell me what it was. Uh, speaking of steamrollers, Ooh. one film
0: is steamrolling all of the others on, in the box. No, I don't know. Is it? No, I got no no segue. There's no giant hit this week. Yeah. No. Uh, although, uh, Paw Patrol the movie is doing pretty good business. Do you want to talk about Paw Patrol first? Let's talk
1: about Paw Patrol The movie... Paw Patrol is an interesting example of uh, a movie where, for once, Whitney knows way more (laughs) about this pop culture phenomenon than I do. Frequently, I find myself having to explain like what Green Lanterns are all about or Mm -hmm. some shit to Whitney. This time, Whitney gets to explain it to me because Because I've never seen this show. It's a kid's show Mm -hmm. Uh about dogs who do public works, and everyone loves it. It sells a ton of merchandise, and... I've never seen more than, like, a second of it. Like, I think I saw a commercial for it once. I, uh,
0: I have a young child. Yes. Uh, he is actually starting first grade tomorrow as of this Ooh, recording. Ooh, so, uh So, but, yeah, I got to spend a, a good uh, amount of time watching Paw Patrol. Uh, it is a Canadian program, and, yes, it is about uh, writer... A young boy mm-hmm. who I suspect is really hundreds of years old. Yeah, I have my own theories using about this genetic show, engineering yeah. to stay young. Because uh, yeah. all of the animals in this universe do not speak except for dogs. Dogs speak and they can speak to humans. Mm. They speak English
1: to human beings. And humans do not find this odd?
0: No. It's no, not like, no, oh no. my god,
1: a talking dog. It's like, nope, this mm. is the status quo.
0: But uh, Ryder and his team of pups are going to save the day uh, at Adventure Bay, which I assume is somewhere on the west coast of Canada. Mm-hmm. And the West uh, Coast, some no, 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 I think
1: it's the East Coast. You think it's the East Coast of Canada? The, why do I think it was the East Coast? I think it, there was some sort of mm. inclination in the geography in this movie. I think it's because the metropolis that they end up going to looks a, like like it's modeled after New York. Okay. I well, think that's why prob- I assume it's on the East probably Coast.
0: Probably modeled after Toronto, but uh, eh. uh, they live in a small sleepy town called Adventure Bay, and there are frequently low-level crises around town. Mm-hmm. To which a police dog, a fire dog, a construction dog, a recycling dog, a beach dog, and a flying dog, Mm -hmm. all uh, will occasionally uh, be dispatched to take care of.
1: Don't get excited. She just flies a helicopter.
0: She she has a a jet pack and flies yeah yeah, and flies in a helicopter.
1: Her name is Sky. Yeah. Um. And apparently they've been on a whole bunch of adventures, but in the movie, a little different. We uh, we open we start in Adventure Bay set the stage. Okay. Let me set Sorry. the stage. <laughs> we start in Adventure Bay where a horrific truck accident occurs and like this giant tanker truck is like hanging off of a bridge and you think to yourself, "Oh my goodness, this is a horrible disaster. A lot of people could be hurt." So we send an 11-year-old and his puppies to save everyone. Mm. And they do They're well equipped puppies Very well equipped And they
0: have human intelligence They have
1: have a lot of expensive gadgets They send all these dogs The dogs rescue the guy The guy is initially a little skeptical about this whole dog rescue thing Hmm. But then they rescue him And it turns out that the tanker truck is leaking suspicious fluid But it's okay because it's maple syrup and then the dogs eat it all, and I assume the guy gets fired for losing the entire haul. Um, but uh, <laughs> in any case, the I don't, cru- major crisis
0: averted, uh, which the, is important. The truck driver is played by Tyler Perry. They got yeah. some some like celebrity cameos in this one. And yeah. I believe they have completely recast it because uh, the, the puppies and Ryder are all played by... Uh, Kids. Young, yeah, kid actors, and they
1: they grow up, yeah, don't their, they? Their voices, their voices, voices, their voices yeah. are going to
0: change eventually, yeah. so they have to kind of keep on recycling yeah. actors. That's
1: why frequently in animated movies and, and TV shows, or TV shows in particular, mm. they cast uh, adults as to play the kids, the children characters, because yeah. their voices aren't going to change, mm. and so you can don't have to worry about that. But anyway, uh, disaster strikes because uh, in a uh, free election, someone got elected who the Paw Patrol doesn't like. And now they have to move to the Ad- Adventure City? Yeah, Adventure City. They you have to go to Adventure City, this big metropolis. Uh, and they move in. Yeah, but they have a brand new uh,
0: l- uh, headquarters tower, mm-hmm. which is even more elaborate than the one they had in Adventure Bay.
1: Yeah. All, uh, all new outfits, all new vehicles. They establish that the reason they can afford this is because they've been selling Paw Patrol merch, which confirms <laughs> that these are private citizens this is a private Mm. takeover of public works these people do not answer to the government they do not answer to the people they have no oversight they are completely self-funded they have no jurisdictional issues and what's also upsetting about adventure city is that when they get there there are no other cops construction workers Mm. recyclers whatever this city has been completely devoid <laughs> of any oversight. And let me tell you something. Oh. I'm watching this movie and I'm getting a really strong defund the police vibe because a, apparently this metropolis was fine before any of these people showed up. Well, it, it, it didn't start going to hell
0: until uh, mayor Humdinger was elected mayor or maybe murdered his opponent. It's implied.
1: How is it implied that he murdered his opponent?
0: His his opponent, like, just mysteriously was, like, vanished from mm. the race, and he was elected by default. Okay. Like, at the last minute.
1: Well, and, and so we're actually going through something like this right now at the uh, California Recall, mm. where uh, if you don't vote against the recall in California, Governor Newsom will be removed from office, and whoever gets the most votes will become the new governor Mm. uh, even if it's not him or even if he got like more votes than them apparently which is this weird situation so uh democracy is flawed uh so in any case so this guy ran unopposed which you feel like really shouldn't even be a thing but he ran unopposed and he was legally uh, elected the mayor of this town and he immediately sets to work on a variety of projects uh, the... There's a big fireworks display he wants to put together. He's it's, oh he's renovated all... the subway. And by the way, say what you will, in record time. He did, uh, he renovated the entire subway yes, in as, one day. As in we, one day he did that.
0: As we learn, A, it's an incredibly stupid idea that a reporter mm-hmm. uh, named uh, Miles Muckraker, yeah. uh, played by Jimmy Kimmel uh, in, in another celebrity cameo, uh, has pointed out that A, it's a really stupid idea mm-hmm, to, re- to renovate a subway that's working perfectly well, and B, uh, did it very shoddily, and indeed it falls apart at the first available opportunity.
1: Well, it's not just that it's a subway that has been renovated, mm-hmm. it's that he renovated it to be A, above ground, which is kind of defeats the purpose of the space saving measure of having a subway, mm-hmm. uh, but also he turned it into a roller coaster loop de loo, which uh, it was not designed for, and it goes really, really mm-hmm. bad. Uh so the the Paw Patrol are dispatched yes. to uh rescue the people aboard those cars. The big drama with the Paw Patrol, inside mm-hmm. the Paw Patrol, the internal drama of the Paw Patrol, uh is actually stems from uh, who, who's the police dog? Chase is the police Chase. dog. Chase is the police
0: dog. Yep. Marshall mm-hmm. is the fire dog. They all Should... cl- kind of clever names, you see. Okay. Uh Rubble is the construction dog. Mm-hmm. Sky is the flying dog. Mm-hmm. Uh Zuma is the beach dog. Because of Zuma Beach. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh and Rocky is the recycling dog. Because we recycle rocks. I I Rocky is uh maybe the the least
1: useful <laughs> Rocky <laughs> like, has nothing to do with Ra- this Rocky, movie. Rocky has nothing to do with the show. Nothing. Either. Rocky does Rock, Rocky is there. Rocky collected yeah. his paycheck. And then he fucked off. Rocky and Zuma both have very little to do, both in this movie and in the show. Nice. Um, but what happens is when they get to this city, uh, the first thing they do, the first like big crisis that happens is there's a big uh, fireworks display that Mayor Humdinger... Uh, gets a little like self conscious about, so he unleashes all the fireworks at once, but he starts aiming them like at, at the ground, stuff yeah. like, instead of in the sky. So it becomes this huge, you know, giant fire hazard. Millions of people could die. Uh, and so the first thing that the uh, Paw Patrol sends is the cops because they have t- We'll have to um, establish a perimeter. Sure. And, and that's while, what matters most we have to establish the perimeter they
0: establish a perimeter while Sky uh, tries to find like the source of the problem uh-huh. and while
1: Marshall is putting out fires It's not like uh-huh. it, they're doing all of these things at once I appreciate that <laughs> but the first person they have they send them out one at a time mm. and their top priority is to send the cops. Presumably to arrest people. He sets up a perimeter. The perimeter, uh, of course, is is so secure because they have such high-tech information mm -hmm. that it would actually hinder the evacuation process, which I thought was kind of funny. (laughs) Um, And Chase is, on top of everything, and this is the drama I was alluding to, Chase is suffering from PTSD. Chase, uh,
0: we learn in flashbacks, came from Adventure City. Mm -hmm. He was found there by Ryder when he was a stray puppy, an even younger puppy. Mm Mm-hmm we get to see baby Chase. He's a baby puppy. Yeah. cute. Yeah. And uh, he is having uh, also an image crisis. Uh, Chase Mm -hmm. is the police dog. He's the ostensible leader of the dog characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's kind of the main character of the show. I think he gets the most screen time. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, he he wants to be seen as a heroic figure.
1: Yeah. Again, you uh, see the problems with the police force, but okay.
0: And uh, his his crisis is that uh, when he... Arrives back in the city Becomes afraid again
1: Yeah And starts to uh, Shrink away From his responsibilities Because he's too scared Which is why Of course uh, Ryder puts Chase Immediately on administrative leave Insists that he go to therapy And he, uh, he, and actually like Does something To like solve this problem He
0: does He takes him back To the site where he found him And restages his bad memories Okay that could
1: be Incredibly triggering That's actually not advisable <laughs> okay. In most situations that's, mm. that's seriously not the best Also I'm sorry Ryder is not like trained in in psychotherapy. We don't know that. Is Ryder trained in psychotherapy? Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ryder has several degrees. Yeah. Okay. One of the one of them is in psychotherapy.
1: So we've got this this uh completely incompetent politician in charge. He's hmm. destroying everything and he, in, and he, in Adventure and he, City, uh... but the big problem is that the cop has like an image problem.
0: Well, he uh the the other Paw Patrol are also on the case. Mayor Humdinger also hates dogs and is mm-hmm. trying to lock them all away.
1: Oh, yeah, he's he's, uh, he's actually got, like... He has uh, a cat uh,
0: equivalents of all of the Paw Patrol, but mm-hmm. the cats don't speak or do anything
1: heroic. They're kind of villainous cats. They don't even do anything particularly villainous, either. They're just yeah. sort of there. Uh, um, we do get to see and, when uh, Chase gets picked up and uh, sent... Uh, To the, they've actually taken It's not even the pound It's an obedience school They they have taken over an obedience school And turned it into an internment Camp for dogs Mm -hmm. Which again a lot of subtext there. We're not really going to engage it's with pretty, any of that. Pretty uh, pretty rough stuff for
0: a G-rated kids movie. Yeah, uh, we we do meet a poodle in there, played by Kim Kardashian, another uh, celebrity cameo. Yay! And uh, we also haven't mentioned the ancillary Paw Patrol character, uh, mm-hmm. the the one who knows the city, a character named Liberty, mm-hmm. who is a, a dachshund, who is a, a stray.
1: Yeah, and is the one who is called the Paw Patrol to Adventure City to begin with. Yeah, and she's a big she's Paw Patrol one. fan. And she wants, she, see, she wants to join them, but they haven't actually, like, invited her to do so, except they're totally going to because that's literally the reason the character is here. We've got a new movie. We have to sell some more merch. Here's which a new is, character.
0: Which is curious because there are other, like, ancillary Paw Patrol characters already. Oh. Uh, there is um, a, a husky, like a snow dog. Uh-huh. Um, named uh, Everest. Cute. And there's a Chihuahua whose name I can't
1: remember. Okay. Um, What's a Chihuahua's, like, specialty?
0: Uh, it, the, the Everest lives in the snow and uh, uh, the Chihuahua lives out, like, in the jungles, like, oh. in, in the forests.
1: What's weird is that um, mostly the dogs seem to have, like, some kind of vague connection to whatever their specialty is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a wiener dog. Tracker is the name of the chihuahua. We've got a dachshund. Dachshunds are burrowers. They're actually like bred to like mm. go down into like rat holes and hunt rats. Yeah. So she's she's a verminator. She's an exterminator dog. And um, now she she gets a Vespa. Like that's her big shtick. At the end of the movie, they mm. give her a Vespa.
0: And as we learned from the movie uh, Luca, those things are amazing. Yes.
1: <laughs> Luca, don't you just love Vespas, buddy? He's but, mad at us for reviewing but, the dog movie. How dare you? <laughs> Kat kind of just gave me a big old fuck stare, off face. Staring yeah.
0: daggers because we're talking about the Paw Patrol. You know, I, I, I jest
1: uh, about Paw Patrol because mm. it's it doesn't seem to be terribly well developed thematically. Like, I'm seriously, like, the last time I saw a movie in that I can recall in which uh, a big city was taken over by complete privatization of public works... Mm. Uh, it was RoboCop, and it didn't work out um, great and for that, everybody. That was a
0: satire. Yeah, but generally
1: speaking, that's what we're talking mm. about here. And mm. but yet, this movie I is like very to... utopian, which is sort of hard for me to wrap my head around.
0: Well, the the Paw Patrol don't like you said that they got a lot of money from uh, merchandise sales, mm-hmm. but they're they're probably a non not for profit organization. Where they're but they're allo- making a profit. Well, they're allowed. Not for profit means they're allowed to earn profit, but every all of the money they get has to go into the the works first. Ah, uh, it's, it's slightly different than a
1: nonprofit, mm-hmm. and
0: and uh, plus it, it is a kind I just want to show, see the eleven year old
1: so... talk with his accountant and lawyer about all of this stuff. It's just <laughs> yeah, this? Like,
0: this is why I suspect Ryder is like save your secre- receipts. Writer <laughs> secretly an adult who's like genetically engineered himself to be young forever, but. Yes. Uh, uh also it's canadian so maybe it is part of the public works maybe they just have really well-funded public works because it's canada and they have wonderful medicine there Um, there's no ambulance dog yeah there's no one no one gets hurt yeah there's no injury i guess that that would be something they'd have to to deal with you'd have to start hurting characters on the show (laughs) this is a g-rated film it's the first g-rated film i've seen in a long time in fact yeah they don't make them as Uh, often as they used to and um, even when uh, Disney makes an animated film, I I think, I'm thinking it's because of the style of the animation. It's all CG now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more realistic. They're adding, like, actual gravity, and things seem a little bit more dangerous in that form of animation. It's also so just the films geez. are now
1: rated PG. They're, they're trying to... G is not cool, and PG mm. is considered completely tame anyway. So at this oh, point, yeah. they just don't care. I, um... It stands for practically G. I, uh... Yeah, so I'm watching this movie and, yeah, you know, there's some things that kind of bug me about it. Uh, I don't like that there are gags about how one of the dogs accidentally dresses up as a lady dog and people laugh at him. That seems like a shitty joke. But honestly, the majority of this movie is just vaguely harmless. It, it's that's what yeah. that's the vibe I get. This is vaguely harmless. It's,
0: everything's round and yeah. friendly because this you know Paw Patrol is is a show that appeals to four uh, year olds. It's it's a very yeah. very simple very little very, kid movie. Yeah. Very easy to consume. It's incredibly innocuous. There's never anything in the way of like actual peril. Mm-hmm. Um if if you think this is innocuous, the T V show is even bland or like this <laughs> even the color palette isn't that interesting. Is uh, it supposed? This is, is it just?
1: Be, is it because it's bad, or is it because it's trying really hard to just be reassuring? Well, I think it's just supposed to be uh, e- easy to understand for a very young child.
0: Okay. So it's not terribly complicated. The jokes are very simple. Uh-huh. One of the dogs falls over a lot. You're four years old. That's funny. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not dealing with you know, her, you know, witty Noel Coward level bumbles in Paw Patrol. <laughs> uh no coward would have so, a great pass on this script you got <laughs> uh... <laughs> yes we are all dogs aren't we <laughs> uh, so uh I, i'm watching this film and you know I, I actually watched this with my son he's six who's mm. he's a little too old he was just sort of kind of reminding himself of the, the years when he watched paw patrol but he, you know, he watched the whole thing. He was really engaged. He liked the new vehicles. Uh, it's it's incredibly toyetic. It's designed to be mm-hmm. each character sell, those products, yeah. sell the toys. Sell each each character has their own toy. Each one mm-hmm. like expands. Now I'm you have new get toys. Such a
1: lunchbox.
0: Uh, pretty much. Yeah. Um, there was uh, a what little lunchbox bit of... did you
1: have as a kid? Did you ever have a lunchbox with like stuff on it? I had a peanuts lunchbox. Okay, mm-hmm. I had a transformers and a GI Joe lunchbox. Those yeah, are my okay. two. I'm just curious. I don't know why they. It was yeah, such a. I, it was uh, such a status symbol for a while. Like who was on your lunchbox? Well, oh, GI Joe kid, kind you know, of a well,
0: badass. I, I had a uh, an aluminum peanuts lunchbox, and then I upgraded to a plastic one when those became hip, mm. and uh, and that was sort of like store brand. It was like generic
1: robot, and... which is so weird because the aluminum seemed so much cooler. It's lo- well, it's actually like kind of like stamped, so it actually had like mm. depth to mine, you know. The, the problem is, I, th- I think kids were like clocking each other with those things. They clocking
0: were, each other with the plastic yeah. ones too. No, less damage oh. uh, to, to the tell,
1: face. Tell that to the dinosaurs,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, whose remnants we made the lunchbox out of. Yeah, uh, it's
1: kind of kind of dark if you think about it. Mm.
0: What I appreciate about Paw Patrol is uh, it, it does have, because it is trying to appeal to a younger audience or just because uh, the way it's presented, we have a greater just clarity of action. It's mm-hmm. not so overstuffed, so yep. it's actually just easy to watch. Yep. You can tell what's going on in a way that I think a lot of mainstream blockbusters used to have yeah. and don't anymore. Things are a lot more chaotic now. Yeah. And there's actually more raw displays of like daring do and heroism in a movie like Paw Patrol than in movies with superheroes well, in them. I actually appreciate superhero movies are about fighting. Yeah, they're not and victory and yeah. power. They're rarely about heroism.
1: Well, that's one of the things I actually do like about this mm. is that I do like that. I, I, I think the I think the emphasis on chase is misguided, especially considering that. Really, you you don't need him for any of the stuff that happens in this movie. Like, if he yes. arrested Mayor Humdinger, I'd be like, fine. Yes. But everything else, it feels like everyone else is more qualified than him. And, like, so, again, this is that defund the police situation, which is we're spending too much money on the police to have the police solve problems that they're not even qualified for. Mm-hmm. And yeah, instead of giving the police money to do these things, to come in with the police mentality, you give people who are actually trained for those situations the funds instead Hmm. so that the situations are resolved without people getting shot. So chase doesn't shoot anyone that I know. Chase doesn't
0: have a gun. Chase actually does have
1: a gun. He shoots like, no, wait, the, the, the fire guy has a gun. Marshall. Marshall has a water gun. Has a, has a, but he's a fire dog. I know. I, I'm not saying saying it's unjustified. I'm just saying. Anyway, my point is they're not anti guns in general, but my point Mm -hmm. is this, um, I feel like the emphasis on Chase is feels a little misguided here, and I feel like the reason why he gets that drama is because ultimately, yeah, this isn't about doing anything to do with cop stuff. Mm. This is about building things, fixing things, yeah. uh, they're, saving they're more, people from perilous situations they, that have nothing to do with uh, violence per se.
0: They're uh, incredibly akin to the Thunderbirds, if you're familiar with Jerry Anderson. Um, Vaguely.
1: I never. You watched it more than I did. Okay, I don't, okay. Know, I don't yeah. remember very well. I would know of it. Tell people about Thunderbirds.
0: Th- Thunderbirds. Uh, they made a movie um, in the early two thousands, but it's a, a... directed by Jonathan Frakes. That's right. Uh, it had Ben Kingsley and, and mm-hmm. Bill Paxton in it. Uh, Bill pa- Yeah, I think Bill Paxton. Um, anyway, the mm-hmm. original show goes back to the nineteen sixties, where uh, and it was filmed in what they called super marionation. Uh, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson uh, pioneered uh, a, a marionette. Adventure show for kids, hmm. and uh, the uh, the central team and on Thunderbirds was called International Rescue. They had a satellite up in space. They could tell when people were in trouble, and they would fly their like gigantic, super futuristic machines, each with a bright color and a number, to help people in in peril. It was uh, Bill Paxton,
1: by the way. It was Bill Paxton. Just to okay. confirm.
0: Hooray! I got a Shmodan question right. That's about an obscure one. Um, the movie's not very good. Uh, the, uh, the two, uh, super Mary Nation Thunderbirds movie, Thunderbirds are go and Thunderbird six are good movies. I enjoy those movies.
1: Really? Okay. Uh,
0: but yeah, they're, they're a, a team of international rescuers. They just go around the, the world. Uh, and if they're privately funded, they're using their wealth for good to help people in trouble. Yeah. In, in immediate peril, and they use their gigantic super machines to save people. I feel yeah. the same way about the Paw Patrol. Yeah, they have these super machines. They have highly trained young people, in this case, dogs, uh, who go out into the city and rescue people. And that's a, a pretty that's a fine enough premise
1: for a kids show. I I, I wish. More superhero stuff was about rescuing people than it, it feels like it used yeah. to be. Like one of my favorite bits in any MCU movie is that bit in Iron Man 3, where he Curry, has to like uh, rescue saves people. The people falling from yeah, the plane, they yeah, threw yeah. A whole bunch of people off a plane. And Iron Man, who doesn't really have a parachute, has to find a way to save the life of like a dozen people free falling out of an airplane, mm-hmm. and it's a logistical and, nightmare, but he figures out a way to do it, it's and like, it's actually he, he, impressive. He, he, he
0: like shocks their hands so they like grab at a certain time yeah. and like has to like change the angle of distance. Sent and yeah. like loads but it's them into only, water it's only yeah, about it's,
1: saving lives at that point it's not mm, about fighting monsters or yeah. robots or nothing it's only about saving lives and i'm not saying that should be everything in a superhero movie but, but it should be it, it a, feels there like there should be
0: more of it there should be at least two of those sequences in every superhero i think movie. so like
1: I, I really like that sequence in uh, spider-man homecoming where mm. he has to like pull a whole boat together you know like we, with the with the webs yeah, you know, right. like that's, that's actually a bit where he's got to do something um, just genuinely just heroic. And I, I, although we think he was partly responsible for that, but anyway. he, he
0: was, he was responsible for that. And, uh, it was, um, it wasn't as fun as the sequence in, um,
1: Spider-Man two, Spider-Man 2 where he's yeah. trying to
0: stop the speeding train. That yeah, kind of stuff is, great. is, uh, a, a lot more exciting because superheroes are doing heroic things and yeah. they're rescuing people on a level in which we can understand. Yeah. Uh, there's an upcoming superhero movie where, uh, they're rescuing the planet in such a way that no human beings would ever know about it. Uh, that that mm. which seems to be the the métier of a lot of the Marvel films now. Mm. There's like some evil space god that they have to fight on another planet, and wouldn't you know it, they just we happen to be at risk, but we would never know about it because it's on a yeah. distant
1: planet. It's like, well, again, that's, well, well, that's selfless, isn't it? I suppose it's... We're not we're not pursuing fame or anything for that. We're just doing yeah. it to do it. But they're still getting that fame. That's a,
0: a well, little bit of a first... loophole in those movies. Yeah, well, whatever. Uh, but it's a lot more relatable when they're doing something like saving somebody from a speeding car. Yeah. Uh, you know, something a person would recognize. And the Paw Patrol does that. There's a scene where a car is, like, pushed through the air, and they catch it in a net, and they mm. save people. There's a bit Spider-Man where the... Did it first, but okay fine there's a bit where something's falling over and they have to the the uh subway track is falling over and they have to catch it with their cables and guide Ugh. people out it's actually it's kind Spider-Man of a, did it
1: first but okay
0: and they you know, shore up the the bottom with some uh, mm. some cement mm-hmm. That kind of heroism, I think, is a healthier thing for kids to see than just people fighting one another
1: yeah, I, I again, I nitpick mm. this because it's easy to do because frankly it's a little drab, it's there's not uh, there's a lot of there's but, a lot but, of room yeah. for an adult's mind to roam while you're watching this movie yeah, um,
0: I, I, I said it's it's innocuous yeah. and it's it's a lot more dynamic than the TV show well that's good uh, to hear. And, and you know they did actually bother to upgrade a lot of the visuals mm. and a lot of the you know the s- s- yeah setting and the scenario and writer looks in com- completely different
1: I, again i don't i don't love this but I, I i quote mr burns i may not know art but i know what i hate <laughs> and i don't hate this okay. uh so this is for a kids movie this is mostly harmless generally speaking it's heart is in the right place and i think the things that there's a couple of shitty like fat jokes and like uh, gendering jokes that mm. we didn't need, but it's not like a lot. It's not pervasive. It's just a little disappointing because mm. otherwise it was so harmless. Uh, but uh, generally speaking, yeah, this is this is a fine little kids' movie, no, unremarkable perhaps, but fine. Mm. Uh, what do you want to talk about next? Um, well, what you've you've saw
0: a lot more movies okay. this uh, this week than I did. So tell me about one of the the ones you got to see. Okay, I
1: want to talk about a film that really didn't seem to get, like, a lot of buzz, but I actually had a blast with The Protégé. Okay, with Maggie Q. Maggie Q, Samuel L. Jackson, and Michael Keaton star in a new thriller from director Martin Campbell, uh, oh. who did The Mask of Zorro, No Escape, mm. Casino Royale, and also some real pieces of crap, like The, the Legend of Zorro and Green Lantern. Green Lantern uh And Vertical Limit. That's a mixed bag.
0: Uh, Vertical Limit has some fun stuff. There's some
1: good stuff in Vertical Limit. Not a great movie. That's a mountain climbing movie. Opening, really suspenseful, nicely done. The rest of the movie, it's okay. Uh, But Martin Campbell's a really hit or miss filmmaker. And frankly, uh, a lot of people in this this cast are kind of hit or miss right now. Samuel L. Jackson is playing the second, like, getting too old for this hitman character he's played this summer. He was already in the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Oh, that's right. Which was just fucking awful. Like the original <laughs> Hitman's Wife, they, I'm sorry, the original Hitman's Bodyguard, is reasonably entertaining fluff. It's too long, no. but the the actors are charming enough. You get by. To, to his credit, Samuel L. Jackson is in his early 70s. Oh, sure. And yeah, listen, he's, he's he's he can coast on charm. Mm. if he wants to my point is this the hitman's wife's bodyguard feels like one of those movies where everyone had fun making it but it doesn't translate to having fun watching it (laughs) because they're just sort of yelling at each other the whole time there's no real attention being paid to pacing or character or whether anything's actually funny it's just sort of we got the gang back together and like we didn't want to go to this reunion it's awful so that that's at that the bar pretty low, I'll admit. But here he's actually giving a pretty sweet performance. Um, he plays a hitman who uh, years ago uh, rescued a young girl who, when he had gotten to the place where he was supposed to kill everybody, everybody was already dead because this little girl had killed him. So he has decided to take her under his wing and make her his protege years have gone by not, and not get her therapy and make I, sure she's okay. Well, she, she seems to be pretty well put together for the most part. She just murders people. There's a reason for it, but I'm not going to give away every twist <laughs> in the movie. Um, but yeah, years go by and, uh, they become good partners, good friends, very supportive of each other. They're very loving. Uh, they kill people who in their estimation are bad, but they're under no assumption that they're good people. Hmm. Uh, and, uh, Samuel L Jackson we realized pretty early on into the movie is dying hmm. uh he's he's got they don't go into specifics but he's got a really bad cough so he's probably got you know, lung cancer hmm. emphysema or something that's gonna something that's gonna take him away before too long and he's t- deciding to put his affairs in order and he's taking making long term plans for Maggie Q to sort of invest in her you know sort of cover business so that she can actually pursue her dreams outside of being a, an assassin um And he's also sort of checking in on some of the assignments that always bugged him in the past. And it turns out that there is someone that he assassinated and they had left behind a kid and he was never able to track down the kid. And he just wanted to make sure that kid turned out. Okay. However, in starting to research the location of this child, they find something and I'm not going to tell you what, but they find something they weren't supposed to find And now a bunch of assassins are after Maggie Q and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, One of the uh, people in this assassin group is played by Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton, and I know exactly what I'm saying when I say this. Has never been sexier. <laughs> Michael Keaton is a dish in this movie. He has really good chemistry with Maggie Q. Okay, uh, he so he he's quite a fine actor. He's a fine actor. He. It's been a while since he's played a leading man who was like really dashing. Hmm. Like he was doing that in like the eighties, more so the nineties, um, and then. Sometime around the turn of the century he just settled into more character work, mm. uh, more funny supporting characters and you're sort of out of sight kind of mold or uh, uh. and then he started like playing with his type in Birdman. So it's kind of nice to just see him playing like a suave cool guy again because yeah. he started off funny, he started mm. playing suave cool and then he started playing it, it just it's nice to see him in a role that's just like, ooh, Michael Keaton. Nice. Um so yeah, Maggie Q is trying to fight the bad guys who are trying to kill her. Michael Keaton may be one of those bad guys, but either way, they really want to fuck, and uh, that's kind of the whole movie. All is right. we're gonna everyone's trying to kill each other. Two of them are trying to fuck and possibly try to kill each other, and that's basically it. It's a little uncomplicated, but in a way that's actually kind of relaxing. Hmm. Like, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. You don't think like an action movie is relaxing, but like. There's so many action movies that are trying to be all intense all the time. Yeah. And what I feel like The Protégé is actually a very mature action movie in that it knows we don't need that. We can, we'll can, be exciting when the time comes. We'll have a great shootout when the time comes. We'll have a great fight scene when the time comes. But in the middle, we can actually let this really good cast play their characters and be good at it, and well, establish that... relationships so that you give a shit well, about what happens. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of just refreshingly, like, smart and mature about it. And it's still, at the end of the day, there's not a lot to this movie. Okay. It's not, like, a lot of, like, really fascinating, resonant themes. There's stuff about, like, you know, regrets, and, like, you know, dealing with your trauma, and, like, how the choices that you make dictate. All that stuff is, like, kind of... Hmm. assassin movie 101 kind of stuff but as a genre of film where the expectation is we're gonna get some cool shootouts we're gonna get some cool fights and we've got a good cast and we didn't waste them hmm. this is rock solid All right. and i had a really really good time watching it so i do hope that people don't overlook this one um i realize that it's it's theaters only and it's not like um it's not getting like a huge marketing push i don't know how well it is i it's doing I'd be surprised If it's doing great But when you get An opportunity To see this one Whether you see it In a theater If you feel safe enough Or you wait for home video Or streaming mm. Check it out I just really Was just kind of Pleasantly surprised At how Three and a half stars This movie is <laughs> Okay just, just You know Not, mm. not all time classic But I'm glad I saw it Because it's just A well done action movie Yeah I, I I prefer action movies That
0: have A lot of character Moments Not yeah. like we characters yeah. you can put that in any kind of movie but yep. uh where we get to sort of stop the action and they get to do things that are not action um yeah. i find action characters that are just sort of unstoppable action machines to be the one of the most boring types of characters yeah because even that's all they're, they're asked to do even if they're funny or witty if they're unkillable action machines which is like every character look
1: look at the difference between uh, uh john McClane and die hard and john McClane and a good day to die hard yeah, he goes yeah. from a really interesting character to a really boring character because all this destruction and mayhem—it's nothing to him now. He's done it so many times. Yeah, like He—he's he, able to destroy
0: helicopters by jumping yeah. cars at them. Before yeah. he could barely walk because he stepped on broken glass.
1: Yeah, he's more interesting the first time out because he feels human. Mm. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of the vibe this is going for. This feels more like how action movies used to be in the seventies. Which is to say it was basically a crime drama with like four good action sequences in it Mm -hmm. as opposed to a whole bunch of action sequences and we'll figure out the connective tissue later because who gives a shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which can also sometimes make a good movie but usually only like a good action movie, a good spectacular stunt spectacle. Uh. Uh, But yeah, this is just a a solid crime movie with a really, really good cast. Michael Keaton's really great in it. Samuel L. Jackson is not phoning this one in. He's actually really giving like I'm, I'm not that he's like known for doing that, but it feels he's, like sometimes he's all he's asked he to do is be. Yeah. Sometimes all he's asked to do is be Samuel L. Jackson, and when that's the case, he doesn't do much more than that. Mm-hmm. He's he's there, but he's doing his job, and his job is to be Samuel L. Jackson. But here he's asked to give a performance mm-hmm. and actually like establish a meaningful relationship and show that he cares and thinks about things. And it's nice to see him being asked to do that because again, I looked, I saw the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, and he's not asked.
0: <laughs> he's
1: just coasting on being Samuel L. Jackson because that's all they ask of him mm-hmm. and here, this is a really, really good counterpoint to that so anyway, The Protégé, solid film uh, I hope more people see it uh, again, not amazing, probably won't make my best films of the year list but solid recommendation mm. um, why don't we talk about uh, why don't we talk about another movie we saw? We both saw. Why don't we talk about Reminiscence? Oh, Reminiscence, it's a okay. new film uh, on HBO Max and also in theaters.
0: Yeah, uh, this is the first feature film directed by Lisa Joy, who created the hit TV series Westworld. Uh, co-created it. Uh, co-created. I mean,
1: uh, Michael Crichton did the uh, yeah, original right. work. Right. Ma- but Michael, Michael,
0: based on the novel by Michael Crichton. Yeah, but the, um, Lisa
1: Joy co-developed it into the HBO yeah, series.
0: I, and yeah, yeah uh, she wrote, directed, and produced this. This is uh, like her her baby and. Uh, Golly, she likes noir novels, doesn't she? <laughs> um, Reminiscence takes yeah. place in a near future Miami, and I love the sense of place in this movie because they mm. do put a, they put a lot of detail into this. Uh, Florida is sinking under the ocean, so mm. people are constantly walking down wet streets. There are portions of of the city that are completely submerged. Mm. Uh, the entire geography has been completely worked around. People travel by boat. Uh, it's a really interesting setup. and
1: into the field. first time I ever saw that that setup was a movie called Split Second. I was going
0: to bring up the movie Split Second, yes! which I watched recently. You only watched that recently? Yeah, for the first time recently. Oh my it stars Rutger, up? It stars, no. Uh, oh no, yeah. I remember liking it so much. It stars Rutger Hauer, who's after a monster that we barely see in the movie. Yeah. Um, Kim Cattrall is in it for like uh, two scenes. Uh, and you can tell she just walked off the set of Star Trek VI, because she has this, the exact same hairdo. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, she shaved <laughs> off her sideburns and they're still missing in this movie. So like... Yeah. Clear like the day after she shot Star Trek Six. She but, did her scenes for Split second. But
1: one of the conceits is it's the near future and everything's flooded. Everything's flooded. The yeah. Polarized caps melted. Yeah. Uh, so
0: yeah, it's just like a Simon Lang film. Everything's yeah. wet. And
1: uh <laughs> Yes, just like just like King. Simon
0: Lang. Uh <laughs> and uh Hugh Jackman is the uh hard, grizzled, completely cliched uh, noir hero. Uh, his name what is his name? Like Buckter
1: Nick, Nick Bannister. Nick
0: Bannister is his name. And yeah. he uh he makes a lot of allusions to being a veteran uh, of a war that happened recently, uh, mm-hmm. and... Which you'd think would amount to something, but it doesn't. He and a friend of his, played by Tandy Newton... Uh, uh, Tandyway Newton. Tandyway, uh Newton. Yeah. She's um, gone back to her original name. Re- original spelling. Yeah. Uh, uh, they run a memory service, and this is this has got Philip K. Dick
1: all over it. Oh, yeah. It.
0: And, uh, oh, yeah. People can come in, uh, lay like put little electrodes on their heads and lay out a tank of water and relive old memories, like That's, pleasant it, memories. It's like
1: Total Recall, except mm. get, they don't give you new memories. They just allow you to vividly relive your old memories as if they were happening yeah. right now.
0: And uh, looking into the past and finding out the truth is a very noir conceit. Mm-hmm. Trying to find out what happened in the past. It's so the premise of every detective is, story. This is a, a wonderful... Uh, Wonderful plot contrivance to have in a noir story. Mm-hmm. And uh, wouldn't you know it, the femme fatale walks in. Mm. And this is uh, Rebecca, Ferguson. Rebecca Ferguson, who played Ilsa Faust in the Mission Impossible movies. And she
1: had previously starred with Hugh Jackman in The Greatest Showman.
0: And she's great. Oh. Uh, I like her a lot in, Generally in speaking, her movies. Generally yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Here here she's
0: asked to play a little bit like an inscrutable character which is a frustrating kind of role to play.
1: Yeah, I don't uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's kind of designed for her. I think she's mm, just so she's open old. and warm a lot of, even in the Mission Impossible movies where she was like, this, like mysterious assassin character, but yeah. she was still like outgoing and gregarious and that's kind of just better a better vibe for her. Okay. I, I don't like it seeing her restrained. You can feel the rest- the restraint. That she's being forced to uh, uh, do, but anyway, I do
0: this. Uh, playing this sort of torn character in reminiscence is uh. better than that—that that ridiculous vampire she played in the sh- *The Shining* too. Oh, shush! Uh,
1: I love Rose the Hat. <laughs> I love Rose the Hat. You're wrong about. She's this.
0: called Rose the Hat because she wears a hat.
1: She wears a hat. Uh huh. What? If you always wore a hat, that is—that is a stupid movie, man. Uh, Stupidly brilliant. <laughs> I, I do not like Doctor. And you're very wrong, but that's uh, fine. We can disagree.
0: But uh, she walks in, of course, and they film her from behind, and she's wearing a slinky dress, and... Uh, Hugh Jackman falls in love immediately or Nick mm. Bannister falls in love immediately
1: I like that she comes in specifically because she lost, she her, lost keys. her keys like, so yeah, everyone to... else is like I wanted to relive the greatest love affair of my life there's a guy who lost his legs in the war and he wants to remember when he would be able to pl- run around with his own dog mm. all these kind of sweet personal moments and she's just like I have no idea where my fucking keys are they're <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, around so, somewhere so she
0: she lays in the tank and they, they help her find her keys but he's fascinated by the world she lives in finds the the uh the bar where she works and she's a, of course a cabaret singer it's very mm-hmm. much like dark city in a lot yeah, of ways yeah I was getting about a lot of like yeah. dark city vibes and uh he instigates an affair and they begin uh, having these wonderful memories and wouldn't you know it, smash cut he, uh, while while he's remembering this wonderful memory, he sits bolt upright in the tank. Oh no! Time has passed. Uh-huh. Something's happened to her. She's got, been missing for months now. Yeah, and now uh, the the investigation can begin.
1: I will say this: I hmm. thought that gag where like the first act of the movie was just him reliving the memories. Uh-huh. that that was pretty clever. That was pretty clever. I, yes, I think good, it may be the single most clever because this is a whole idea of this is, you know, this is a sci-fi noir. We're gonna hmm. take a traditional noir detective kind of story. Femme fatales grizzle detective with the past searching, you know, of, the the finding out the uh, secrets of the world around a, him. a
0: lot of incredibly artificial dialogue about oh, yeah. the meaning of memory and all the rest of that stuff, which p- plays like plays fake. I think on purpose,
1: usually yeah, you know? and, and even in the best movies like this, they mm. usually have some sort of played runners kind of arch as well. Um, but again, the whole idea is we've invented this new technology. Mm. And so we're going to explore how this would affect the world around us. And so in addition to the consumer applications, this is also like legally usable in court. So they have but to do the, stuff like that. But, like but the they, basically, they, they go Basically, of, how, do we, how do we solve a right. mystery using this sci-fi tech that doesn't really exist? Yeah. That's the movie. Mm. That's, that's the exercise that we're going through. And, and does this technology make for a more interesting film noir?
0: Uh, I I would say so because we Mm. get, I think it, it gives us an organic reason to have flashbacks and to withhold information. Okay. It's really frustrating in detective stories where they give us a piece of information and then give us a little bit more later on when they could have easily given it to us at the same time just to prolong the mystery. This one, because of the conceits of the tech, we we have a reason to have that some information withheld from us. And I think that Mm. works a little bit more organically, at least from my eye. Uh, I could also tell what was going on at every minute. You know, it's like a it's like a twisty detective story, but uh, you know, I, I know who all the characters were. You know who related to whom, why they were going to you know any given building at any, any given moment. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that they bothered to point out why this amazing technology isn't used in court more often. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, what's the American legal system is to find the truth using cross yeah. examination. Why not just put one somebody in a tank and find out? And they say, well, uh, because of this corrupt system, because we live in, in Miami and because of the circumstances of arrest and because of you know certain people are not permitted to lay in the tank, they actually have like legal reasons why they can't be sitting in the tank yeah. and
1: use it in courts. Yeah. so it, they have to have like they a specific bo- they warrant to, yeah. for a specific amount like there's one exactly, situation where um, here's a witness but he's been in a coma for a while and mm, this is our only opportunity so mm. but we're only allowed to look at certain Im- t- days and certain information exactly otherwise it's have. like an invasion of privacy yeah. so they
0: they bothered to talk about that that's kind of yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah, they, they actually that. did that um And it turns into, uh, because the Hugh Jackman character is not a detective, he's just been running this as a business, he's very personally involved. He's seeking out Mm -hmm. Rebecca Ferguson for personal reasons. Yeah, because he loves her. He's trying to solve the mystery, not because it's a mystery, but because he has something at stake. He wants to, to find this woman that he's fallen in love with. and. Of in true noir fashion The deeper he gets into the mystery The more and more cynicism and pessimism And corruption he ends up uncovering And it ends on a pretty pessimistic note mm. uh, it, It's not That the system works so well That everything's going to be solved He learns some yeah. pretty damning yeah. things It
1: ends on a noirish note yeah. where people make choices That are, are not the best choices Yeah and, yeah. and there's
0: all these yeah. morally Questionable things We get a good sense of the universe uh, That it takes place in uh we eventually travel into the center of Miami where hmm. the ultra rich have built dams. So it's like dry land for them. And yeah. everybody else is sort of like in the watery ghettos. And that's, I thought that was pretty well thought out. I thought that was really interesting. I think this is a pretty fascinating sci fi noir. Okay. Uh, I, I like the ideas in it. I think the dialogue is really dumb, but I think <laughs> yeah. that's kind of. I think that's kind of by design.
1: I think I think they're going for like an old pulpy 1940s yeah, kind yeah. of, so, you know, novel vibe. Yeah, I feel like Hugh Jackman, uh, he's a talented
0: actor. I feel like he could have played up that artificiality a little bit more. And it, as it is, he's just sort of like grisly reading these mm-hmm. monologues and it gets kind of boring after a while. Uh, but I feel like attaching this memory conceit into a detective story, mm-hmm. like I said, it, it evokes Philip K. Dick and I think, a very clever way. And I think it does let us travel through time and discover things in a really organic fashion. I kind of dug it. I know it's getting very bad reviews, but I'm not one of them. I really enjoyed Reminis.
1: I'm glad you did. It didn't quite work for me. Okay. Um, All the things that, well, most of the things that you liked about it I think are the best things about it. Mm. Um, I do appreciate the level of thought that went into the new tech and how that would affect the world around it and the way that this story unfolds. I think all of that's, Pretty clever And it's the reason To make the movie So if that didn't work It wouldn't be yeah. It'd be completely pointless And that's That would be a shame Um For me What it boils down to Is this Uh The entire movie Hinges Intellectually Perhaps On the tech mm. But the narrative The story How much I care about What happens next That Is based on The relationship Between Hugh Jackman And Rebecca Ferguson Yeah And how much it means To Hugh Jackman That he would then pursue rebecca ferguson come hell or high water even if it would destroy him Hmm. and i don't buy it okay i don't think hugh jackman and rebecca ferguson have great romantic chemistry together i think that they feel like this whole world feels very downbeat and dour and their romance feels downbeat and dour it might be it might have a little bit of hope to it but like it still doesn't feel like oh we've we've found our oasis in well, the, uh, this in this cynical world, or, or something that I, I feels th- like it's really like important and special, it feels mm. kind of arbitrary and forced. I don't think it feels forced, but I I do agree that it
0: doesn't feel like a, a glorious oasis. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even feel like a last gasp of
1: connection. Mm-hmm. Doesn't even it feel be- like particularly like horny. It just it just <laughs> feels like they just sort of like wound up together.
0: And, uh, which I think f- is in keeping with the spirit of the film, though, there's a, a, a monologue partway through that they re- repeat where, um, they say, uh, T- tell me, tell me a story. Yeah. Uh, one of the characters says, tell me a story, uh, with a happy ending. And, uh, they point out all, no story ends well. If it's a happy story, it ends in death. Mm-hmm. No story has a happy ending. And so she says, well, tell me half of a story and end it partway. Yeah. And that's a big theme of this movie is yeah. think- Every, everything dies time destroys everything yeah
1: and he picks and it, it, it's cute and, and because he, and he picks uh, the orpheus, orpheus and and Urin- and
0: Urin- <laughs> <laughs> which is
1: one of those things where i'm like okay wait a minute a maybe pick a story where i don't already know the tragic ending because mm. that's really super famous so these, B, lover, which these he's lovers he's, named romeo and juliet oh good that's, hmm. that's, everything's gonna turn out great for them they get fun. married and that's the end of the story the yeah but like that's the thing and then she actually says like Oh, but she doesn't know the story And I get it, not everyone knows everything But that's pretty famous <laughs> You're both in your late thirties A few Jackman's older, I'm sure yeah. But like she's at least in her thirties Like, come on, what are you doing to us? Well,
0: I think that's another thing, though uh, That they're a little older They're not, like,
1: twenty-somethings Kind uh, yeah. of helps stress that I guess, but my what it boils down to is this hmm. Um... Here's, okay, here's, here's to, to go, to just, to tack on to the Romeo and Juliet thing that you just brought up. Hmm. At the beginning of Romeo and Juliet, Romeo was in love with a woman named Rosalind. That's right. And he can't be, he's got to be in love with her, but he can't be so passionately in love with her he, that it overshadows his love for Juliet. His love for Juliet needs to be all-encompassing. Right. I feel like Rebecca Ferguson is Rosalind. <laughs> That's think, how th- there's a, another greater love coming along. I, I, I mean, someone. It doesn't have to be... Any, any, it, it, cl- clearly, like, the note that uh, Way Newton was given was mm. that she's a little bit in love with Hugh Jackman. Mm. Um, and I think she's great in this movie. I think she's, for me, the standout actor in it. I think the, she doesn't have as much has, to do, but she's really... She's really, re-
0: really natural. <sighs> she has a lot of, like, a lot of uh, horrible, like... Personal issues that she's yeah. dealing with But she deals with it very frankly and Like a part of me just wishes, We just naturally. removed Hugh
1: Jackman And Tendiwe Newton mm. was in the lead And she had the relationship with Rebecca Ferguson Which honestly oh, yeah. I'd probably buy more <laughs> uh, Because I just I like Hugh Jackman a lot as a performer mm. But he doesn't really He generally doesn't work for me As a passionate romantic lead Hmm. he tends to seem like his mind is on other things. And mm. I feel like here he's putting on a lot of airs, but he never really feels at home in this role. Oh, look, you should look up the clip of him talking about rich creamery butter. I in, guess in the, I should. In, in, the, mo- in the movie
0: uh, Kate and Leopold.
1: Yeah. Okay, I actually like the movie there. Kate and Leopold. That's one exception. I actually like that movie a lot. Well, that, that's sort of like yeah. a, a lighthearted, yeah. it's, a, it's a frothy, though, It's a yeah. frothy movie. And I think he does frothy really, really, mm. really well. But this sort of intense, passionate love, I, I've never really seen him do that very well. Hmm. And I don't think this is the the time he did. Um oh, yeah. so I, what but what it boils down to is I has, see a lot of potential he here, some good, but good moments of like genuine sadness in those movies, He can do yeah. sadness, sure, but I'm not seeing the love. And again, mm. the whole point is the the whole point of having that first act before the plot kicks in is that we should be convinced of their relationship so that when he does incredible things, it tracks, and I didn't buy it. And I'm just trying to explain why that is, and it's gone on too long. But, um, so I don't, I don't love it. I think it's, a, I think it's a, a slight misfire. Maybe it's casting, maybe it's direction, whatever. But like, there's just there's a couple of things that are just big enough to hold it back from really working for me. But the things that you like about it are the things I liked about it too. I just think other okay. things could have undermined it. Right. Um, so yeah, it's not, it's not a complete wash, but I didn't particularly care for it. Okay. And that's why.
0: Yeah, I I was surprised at how much I was enjoying the film. It's, It's not a grand classic, but I'm reminded of other... Fantastical detective films I liked yeah. and uh, what other
1: fantastic what other because you don't like Blade Runner quite famously what other fantastical <laughs> it, detective films I well I mean, it's it's uh, considered maybe the well, classic um, of the genre what other fantastical it, it was, detective movies do you like
0: it, it was evoking a, a film like uh, like Gregory Hoblet's film Fallen with Denzel okay. Washington where he, more of a horror he, movie but yeah he, he plays a cop who's uh, going after a killer and the killer as it turns out is a, a wicked fallen angel that can leap into other people's bodies yeah that's a uh, great fucking movie it's really good actually yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like it's and, a it's, cool it's, it's like incredibly well made too. Yeah. Like there's just excellent editing in that film. Uh, you know, a, a film like that. Okay, a film like Fallen I'm re- reminded of that.
1: Yeah.
0: Or, or you know, Total Recall. Like I said, this yeah. this may as well be a Philip K. Dick story.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of horror movies, I saw two of them this week, and okay. weirdly enough, they share a lot in common. Uh, although they have nothing to do with each other specifically. So, do you want to hear about the mostly good one, or do you want to hear about the one that sucks a lot?
0: Uh, tell me about the mostly good one first
1: Okay, so The Night House Is the latest film from David Bruckner uh, David Bruckner is a filmmaker Who I think is quite on the rise uh, He's been making uh, a variety of uh, horror films He did uh, The Signal in 2007 Which was an anthology film He did one of the installments He did wait, one of the installments wait. in VHS wait. The Signal wasn't an anthology film. In two thousand and seven, it was. You're thinking of the Lawrence Fishburne sci-fi movie. Yeah, The Signal was like an anthology film about like people going mad because of like a radio signal. I was thinking of a different film called The Signal. Two sci-fi movies with the same title. Um, uh, He did a segment in VHS. He did a really excellent segment in this anthology film that most people don't talk about called Southbound. Which is all about a bunch of horror taking place along a desert highway. He did a segment. That was a pretty called, good movie. He did a segment called "The Accident," which I scared the crap out of. Is that of the one that takes place in the hospital? Yeah, yeah. yeah where right? guy a guy hits somebody and he calls nine one one and they tell him and what to do and, and it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah,
0: like he's on the phone, and he has to take it into oh, take his victim into the empty hospital. It's, it's so like, he doesn't know why anybody's it's there. It's such a
1: great nightmare. It's a really really scary segment. Like it works really well. Um, and then he did a movie in twenty seventeen, which was. Mostly good. I don't think it ever quite achieved true greatness, but The Ritual, which, if nothing else, had a really great monster in it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So he's back with a new film called The Night House. It stars Rebecca Hall, uh, who, if you know me, you know I'm a huge fan and have been ever since the movie Christine. Um, I think she's one of the best actors working today. I think very few she's, actors handle inner worlds better than she does.
0: Yeah, she got no credit for Vicky Cristina Barcelona, and she's yeah. excellent in that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, she's good in everything. Mm. Uh, and she's really, really great in this. Uh, she plays a woman who, uh, she's a teacher, and her husband, who was a carpenter, uh, has just prior to the beginning of the movie, like a couple of days ago, uh, he killed himself. Mm. And she it came out of nowhere. There were no warning signs. She didn't see any red flags. It just took her completely by surprise. And she's wrestling with how to deal with this. And she's living in the house that he built for them. Uh, And she starts hearing things and like little weird stuff happens around the house. And initially her thought is I'm grieving. I'm, weird stuff is happening and I'm grieving But it starts happening more and more and more She starts having more vivid dreams That she can't quite explain And even though she's She actually died Like she was in a car accident and died For a couple of minutes Oh, okay. And then came back uh, Like they, they revived her And she saw nothing mm. when she died So she believes there's nothing out there But now she's starting to wonder if maybe Her husband is a ghost And he's trying to contact her So she starts looking into his life a little bit more. And she starts realizing that there are things that don't make sense. Uh, The book of uh, the the house that he made for them. like He drew up all the plans in this big portfolio. Mm. She never really looked at it before. And there are weird notes scrawled in it. And parts of it are built like a labyrinth and she can't explain why. Were there runes? Maybe there might be some runes. <laughs> uh, but also, she's, she looks through his phone and she notices a picture of her, except she doesn't own that blouse. And also, she's not sure it's her. And okay. maybe. Was he having an affair? What's going on? Aww, uh, I don't want to ruin where this is going, but I'm just, I'm just laying the seeds. Sounding pretty ghosty. It's pretty creepy. It's super duper creepy. And. David Bruckner is masterfully setting the atmosphere here. It is, this is like, inst- it f- starts off, and unfortunately I don't think it ends up this way, but it starts off feeling like an instant classic in terms of like just how moody and atmospheric it is. And Rebecca Hall is actually not given a lot to work with. <laughs> um, like in some respects, like we don't really know a lot about her character. This is another problem we'll get to in the movie Demonic. Um, in terms of like, what does she want? What is she interested in? What are her pursuits? What does she care about other than the plot? Um, And that's not really in there. It's up to Rebecca Hall to add that. And what she does really brilliantly is she gives this woman who is going through a lot right now. Really traumatic, you know, emotional experiences on top of grief. uh, Just everything else she's going through ends up like sort of ratcheting up the terror. Brilliantly, she has a sense of humor. (laughs) Okay. Okay. She's doesn't she's not like she cracking under, wise under, under, or anything like understands
0: that. Understands that this is a weird situation. She and can is so make, make jokes about she's it.
1: She's so fucking funny. There's this great bit where um, it's like it's like late June, and uh, she she's a teacher at a high school. And, you know, the high school's sort of wrapping things up. And, like, she shows up for one of the last days when the teach the, the, the last day of school for the kids is not the last day of school for the teachers. They have to, like, put mm. things away, file all their grades, all right, that kind right, of stuff. Right. It takes a few days, maybe a week, uh, for teachers to sort of wrap up the school year. Um, so she starts coming in for that. And one of the students of her kid, One of the parents of her students uh, comes in to sort of argue about a grade. It's like you gave my kid a D in speech and, but you said he could make it up if he did this assignment. But then on the last day of school, he came in with the assignment and you weren't there. So really this is on you. And Rebecca Hall's just like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. See, my husband killed himself the day before. So that was really selfish of me. Um, so what? Uh, fine. B. Fair. You get a B. I don't give a crap. Oh, I'm so sorry. Is there anything I can do? Oh, you want an A? <laughs> like she's just throwing it back in her face. She's so damn funny, Anna. Um It's really, really great for most of the movie. But the problem is that as things start coming together and the plot threads start coming together and the mystery starts revealing what it is, um, it falls into a really a, a, a trap that I've seen some horror movies do lately. And I think uh, I think it 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 seems like a good idea until it's done. And then you realize that there's a problem here. Uh, a lot of horror movies lately, and and throughout history, obviously. But I feel like the sort of A twenty four school of horror is trying to layer a supernatural component hmm. onto real life mental illness issues. This is yeah. something like Hereditary, for example, mm-hmm. Midsommar, also Ari Aster, but like did, whatever. You know. Did um, you see
0: uh, Relic?
1: I didn't, but I know of it.
0: Okay, yeah. um, and uh, that which the, is not an A twenty four film, but I, 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 I can't speak. Same thing.
1: To, I can't speak to whether that one does it well because I haven't seen it, but um. These people are wrestling with their inner demons, their baggage, and it seems like an obvious straight line when you're crafting a narrative to just say, okay, so here's someone who's wrestling with uh, grief and maybe her husband was not a good person. Well, what if at the core of all of this was something demonic, supernatural? Mm, Right. And that seems like a good idea. The problem is, is that if you literalize that too much, you don't leave it vague. Hmm. If you make it too literal, what you're saying is mental health is a fiction. Mental health is uh, is is something that's outside, it's not inside, and it actually ends up kind of making a mockery of why we're here, which is to deal with real human emotion.
0: There was a, a big problem with a film called Lights Out.
1: Mm, Yeah, Uh, which uh, uh, I think Maria
0: Bello played the mom in that one. Yeah. And yeah, it it was a story about mental illness, but they literalized
1: it as the supernatural force. Yeah. And And uh, they got away with it for a little bit. But the further along the movie went badly. Yeah, yeah, it ended. The ending of that movie is completely irresponsible. Mm. And they keep saying they're going to make a sequel. The sequel actually has an opportunity to fix that a little bit Mm. because the way that they quote unquote solve. The problem in lights out is completely irresponsible storytelling. Yeah, yeah. um, but but that's a that's another great example right here. And the nighthouse isn't that bad, but it ends up just making everything that's going on inside Rebecca Hall's head and inside the head of her husband before he died or after if he's a ghost. I'm not gonna ruin it for you. Um, it ends up sort of taking it away from them. Mm-hmm. and that ultimately robs the movie of a lot of its power. and instead of being about, the inner struggle of an actor who's really giving it her all and is just doing all the work. And instead of making it about her and what she's going through, it ends up being about plot. I hate and that. that's, it's such, it's not a huge letdown. It doesn't ruin it, it, the movie. It, it, it is disappointing, but it, though. It, it takes it from being, clearly, this was going to be a four star, awesome, be, top 10 of the year mm. horror movie. And it makes it like a three-star movie. Yeah. It's a it's a downer. Um, it's still mostly good. I do recommend it, but that's what keeps it from being truly great. Because I think they just got caught up in their storytelling yeah. and they missed the point of why we were here, the thematic point, like really hard right at the end. So, a damn shame. But Rebecca Hall is amazing. Super atmospheric. It's really great. And if nothing else, it is a million times better than demonic. <laughs>
0: Demonic is a bad movie
1: I don't get I I try to be more nuanced in my criticism than this I know we've we've all done it but Demonic is just I'm struggling to think of something positive to say about it Um, Demonic is the latest Sometimes
0: movies are just crap Sometimes they just don't work Uh,
1: Demonic is the latest film from Neil Blancamp Academy Award-nominated filmmaker Neil Blancamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started off doing uh, sci-fi shorts. Uh, Peter Jackson sort of latched on to him and started like uh, giving Peter him... Peter Jackson
0: produced District 9, yeah. if I recall. Yeah, which
1: was, a, which was a feature film version of... What's, what's it called? It like Lost in Newburgh or something? I haven't seen the short. Um, he, he had done a short film about... Uh, it was a metaphor for apartheid, uh, but the idea Wasn't was that...
0: <laughs>
1: yes, uh, it, was a it metaphor-
0: wasn't a metaphor it was just a, an apartheid story well it was an
1: apartheid story but the idea was is that a- aliens landed on earth like a ufo landed hmm. but instead of being like these like saviors or warlike species or whatever they were refugees and humans did what humans do they landed in they landed in South Africa mm-hmm. and they uh
0: mm-hmm. essentially set up a, a shanty town for yeah. them.
1: And they basically And, for, and they and
0: forced them to live in it. And
1: they became an oppressed society. Mm. And uh like, the, cops would like raid yeah. in and go through their stuff yeah. and yeah, yeah, It was just the, awful. The movie District Nine is really quite good. Mm. It's it's on the nose, but it's really, really good. There's some amazing visual effects work in yes. it. There's some really good performances. it's uh maybe a will
0: Unnecessarily violent in certain sequences, yeah, but you know, that's probably that, didn't that have part to of, be part but... of the
1: story. Um, and then Neil mm. Blancom proceeded to make more feature films which were really blunt in their messaging. He likes mm. sci fi allegory, so his second film, Elysium, uh, was a really in your face metaphor for how healthcare creates uh, economic divides. Mm literally like to, people to the are point like
0: where the rich live on a planet orbiting earth and yeah. earth is just a wasteland
1: yeah and uh, matt damon finds out that he's dying and the only way he can survive is if he finds a way to like join a resistance movement and make it all the way to the space station or the moon like or whatever i think that's like yeah.
0: exoskeleton implanted in his own skeleton it's, yeah.
1: it's not as good as district nine i still kind of like that movie like it's it's got interesting ideas and i think it's you know it's hearts in the right place mm-hmm. it's not a bad film i think people give that one kind of a bad rap and then he made Chappie. Which Chappie, everyone (laughs) hated Chappie a really weird animal Chappie is a weird, weird, weird film About a robot that's supposed to be a police robot And it ends up accidentally gaining sentience And then hooking up with uh, Deontverd Like literally playing themselves
0: The the real life South African rap duo Deontverd Who in this
1: this post-apocalyptic or dystopian future Of Chappie have taken to Like a life of crime to survive Mm -hmm. Uh, well, they're, and they're, they end they're
0: up... living their their stage personas
1: yeah and so they uh and they end up teaching Chappie how to be a human but unlike Ali sheedy who taught like johnny five how to be like a good person or whatever they're teaching him how to be like, hold up cars and yeah, stuff. yeah, and yeah they're, and, they're yeah. not teaching him wholesome values um that movie is a fucking mess but there's some interesting stuff in it and uh, i don't hate it
0: it's also a hugh jackman movie yeah um if it had been, if it had, like, three more three more musical numbers than it had, which was zero. Yeah. If, boy, if they actually, it le- if they lead, if they needed, uh, if they let DeAndward do some rap numbers. That would have been a rock opera, can you imagine? And, and if they did Chappie as
1: a rock opera and it was that just the D'Onteword
0: cool, yeah. movie, which clearly he wanted to do. D'Onteword is a I very... I think that would have been better.
1: D'Onteword is a very controversial, man. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wait into that at all. But the movie itself uh, they're, they're, was...
0: They're dark and strange. Yeah, yeah
1: but the, the movie is... It's not good, but it sure as hell isn't boring. And I think that's something that we need to give um, and Neil Blomkamp some credit. I think even though he never quite found in like the last 10, I guess 12 years, I guess it's been since he's been making feature films, like that next District 9, that next thing that just really popped. He's always been trying mm. something really interesting. So it's really frustrating to watch a film in which he didn't. Um, Demonic is a low budget horror movie. Um, uh, starring Carly Pope as a woman named Carly. Mm-hmm. Uh, coincidence, I'm sure. Uh, total coincidence. Uh, and uh, at the beginning of the movie, uh, we are introduced to her. She is a person, and what we know about her <laughs> she is, is she likes. Okay, I'm, I'm going off of what the movie tells us. Here's what we know about her. At the <laughs> All of the we movie. know is she's a person. She's a person. Here's what we know about her. She has an affinity for brightly colored poofy jackets. Okay. And she likes to wear a backpack That's it That's all I know about her I don't know right. what she does for a living I don't know well, about Clearly
0: her. she works at the camping supply store You would think
1: <laughs> uh, She has a friend Played by Candace McClure From Battlestar Galactica um, And she has a vague backstory Which they speak about vaguely For no other reason than the movie We'll explain it later mm. um, It turns out that her estranged mother Who was estranged for reasons Which we will explain later uh, Is in a coma mm. She did know She hasn't spoken to her many years. Uh, And the organization that is taking care of her wants her to come visit. And so, in the interest of pursuing some sense of closure, she does. And that's when she finds out that her mother is... Not only is she in a coma, uh, but she's in a coma in a facility that has a new form of technology that will allow her (laughs) to, not unlike the movie The Cell, but it doesn't look nearly as cool... Project her virtually into her mother's subconscious. Okay. So that they can communicate and say, well, here's, here's the deal. Your mother is in, a, is in a locked in state. Her consciousness is mm. secure, but she has no way of communicating with the outside world. We, Because you're connected to her, we would like you to jump into her brain mm. and just see if she's okay. And she agrees to this because apparently it's actually quite easy. They just throw a little squid thing on her head and it just pops in. Um, and it looks like a glitchy video game. It looks pretty cheap. Um, and you know, you think to yourself, okay, so we're going to go inside the, the mind of the estranged mother. Uh, I, I never knew. And it turns out by the way that the reason why she's estranged is because she's a mass murderer. Um, So you would think we're going to like go into her head and we're going to see something really kind of weird, right? Something mm, kind of like, like in the movie, the cell, like something revealing something, you know, that wouldn't take advantage of this premise. And we see a house and another time there's another building. We didn't need any CGI to do any of this stuff, but it turns out that, uh, and this isn't like the night house where I can like, I want to be vague about it. This is right at the beginning of the movie. It uh, turns out her mother has never been mentally ill. She has been possessed this whole time. So all of the baggage mm. that our protagonist has allegedly been going through, but shows literally no, exam- no uh, uh, examples of, mm. uh, is kind of invalidated because she had no reason to actually be mad at her mother. And her mother has actually been this completely like protective person this whole time. Mm. And uh, now, of course, the demon Scary. is after Carly. And it turns out also the Vatican has an assassination <laughs> squad of demon hunters oh, no. who don't know how to Google things, so they oh, keep having to ask her questions. No. And um, oh, it's a stupid movie. No. It is a movie that none of the characters make any kind of impression. Even the main character, who is in pretty much every shot. Um, There's nothing... There's no depth to it. There's no resonance, like, actual exploration of its themes. Nothing about it feels human, so nothing about it can possibly feel scary. Um, The the sci-fi technology bit you would think would go somewhere with it, you could remove that and change it to... Your mother is, like, in a padded cell and won't speak to anybody, but she'll speak to you, and you would have the exact same movie.
0: How about the mother has access to a one-eyed demon skull that she keeps in a basement, Mm. and uh, it's been possessing a local cop who's been turning into a serial killer. That's the plot of the TV series
1: Hellstrom. It is. Which is not a good TV series. No, it's not. But it was better than this. Oh, that's because at least Hellstrom good. had an interesting character in it once. Uh, what, uh, I, uh, the the sister's is the, pretty. The sister's okay.
0: Sister's okay. The mom is, is really yeah. good. Yeah,
1: that's it. The demonic actress who play the mom is really demonic good. Demonic doesn't actually. have that. Demonic has nothing going for it. Right. Uh, there's this there's this incredibly absurd bit later on in the movie where um, um, all of the demon assassins have shown up to this place in order to you know bring the demon out into the world and kill it. Um, and they brought all of their machine guns and their weapons and all that kind of stuff And, blah, blah, blah. and uh, our hero gets there and they're all, of course, they're already all dead Except for one guy And the guy's dying and he tells, you know, Carly like Oh, you're gonna have to go in there and stop it Here, use this magical spear, it's the only thing that can kill demons Then why did you try to shoot it? Why did you bring all these guns? What was the point? You just died for no reason. Use the fucking spear. Mm. Nothing in this... The plot doesn't work. Mm. Like, I, I, Listen, I, I, I complain about the nighthouse and how it became all about the plot. At least the plot makes sense. Here, the plot doesn't make sense. The characters that... don't make sense. The themes don't make sense. The sci-fi doesn't make sense. I, Everything about it is oh, really stupid. I really hate that guns are
0: so default in, like, yeah. demon movies. Yeah. Uh, do you remember in the uh, in the first Terminator film
1: mm-hmm.
0: where Michael Bean gives a handgun to Sarah Connor? Yeah. and says if the if the Terminator comes after you, you're armed. You have this handgun, but it's been proven that this mm-hmm. thing can easily survive gunshots.
1: Yeah. It's like that how, case, about, how about if
0: you see it, just run. You know, you can empty that empty that whole gun right into the Terminator's face. Like we was established that come a, come a shotgun
1: <laughs> can slow the Terminator down a bit, so that might be but useful. She, she's given gotta, a handgun, I know. Here is my thing with that. I feel like in that mm. having a weapon makes you feel a little bit more secure than being completely unarmed.
0: I, I suppose. I so. feel like
1: that's they. It's not like it's not like he comes back in time with a truckload of weapons. He's got like mm. two guns. Yeah. I have the shotgun, and you have this other gun. Mine will be useful Because I know how to use it In a stressful situation And you do not I feel like that one maybe not the best example, but, yeah, but like, I see your we're, point. We're gonna Regardless, go, we're gonna go up to a thing. demon and yeah. so we
0: we're bringing guns just in case, even though we know it doesn't hurt the demon. Yeah. Do they fire the guns? Is there like a Presum- machine gun Presumably,
1: the, well, it's all off camera because it's a low budget movie. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but well, at, at least there's what not what like happened, a yeah. gunfight with the demon on camera. Yeah. No, But like, yeah, but it didn't work. That's mm. the thing. Because only, only thing that would work in the spear, which we mm. brought with us and decided to leave in the car. <laughs> <laughs> what was the point of this?
0: I, I watch fight scenes, especially in superhero movies, where it's just, like, these high-octane boxing matches. Yeah. It's like, is somebody going to get, like, knocked unconscious during one of these? Is that why you're fighting? Like, what, what is, is going to be the end of this? Are you yeah. going to kill somebody? Is that what they're trying I, to do? I, I
1: guess it depends on the fight scene you're thinking about. Um, I could tell you, I could maybe tell you a theory but right. um
0: but, you know there's a i've seen a lot of like high octane super brawls and i well, don't like, know well like, for what, example what like, the point of those is supposed the, for to be example, like the fight, how, how is that supposed to end up the like, fight between the, ideal... the
1: fight between captain america the winter soldier and iron man at the end of captain America's civil war yeah. iron man is trying to kill the winter soldier because he killed his parents so that mm. one actually is trying to kill him mm. and captain america is fighting to prevent him from killing him and the winter soldier is doing that to prevent himself from dying Okay. So like that one, his, that's one that kind of makes sense in that regard. That,
0: he, like his goal yeah. is to actually murder that guy.
1: Yeah. Or like at the end of The Incredible Hulk, when the mm. Hulk is fighting the Abomination, the Abomination just wants to destroy, and the Hulk is in his way, and the Hulk is indestructible, so they're just doing the best that they can.
0: They're just like wailing on each other for no yeah. real reason. Well,
1: it's like it's like a kaiju movie, isn't it? Like you <laughs> I, know, I, I they don't so. have a great reason for Godzilla to fight. See one when, when Godzilla, the lobster creature. Ebira, the horror of the day. Ebira, the horror of the day, thank you. When any Godzilla God, yeah.
0: fights Mechagodzilla, Godzilla twists his fucking head off at the end. Right. Godzilla is there to kill that monster.
1: I appreciate I that. Underst- I mean, There's a lot more clarity to those fights. I, I don't disagree. Those are more exciting, more intelligent movies. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I, but that's the thing. I think if you're going to have, even in a superhero movie, we talked about some Paw Patrol, um, you need to justify the action sequence. And saving people will justify any action sequence. Mm. But if that's not the case and people are fighting each other, it can't be like, oh, we have to stop to press this button. Like, mm. no, there are other ways to do that. No, More no. effective ways. Less violent ways. Like, there's got to be something else. And I think the best superhero movies, like, like the fight scene we all talk about from, like, Captain America Civil War. Mm. We didn't need that. No, that's that's that's. It's just fun like, to it's watch because ex- we finally get to see all these heroes fight each it's other. Ex- but...
0: Exciting choreography.
1: Yeah, and there's cool each, stuff in each, it. Each,
0: yeah, because they're all all have a different superpower. Yeah. They each have like a gimmick and a different way yeah. of fighting. But basically, so...
1: they want to. It's basically, and I've, I've described it before. It's like the the biggest, most expensive game of Red Rover in cinematic history. Yeah, more or less. We're just we're standing in a line. You're standing at a line. We're all gonna run at each other, and the goal is to get over there. Uh, there are other ways to get over there. Have mm. you tried driving around the airport? <laughs> you know, maybe Ant Man could shrink all of us and just we could just slip by unnoticed. There's a million different things you could do. Anyway, uh, Demonic is not a good film, and that is all it, I'm going to say about that. It, doesn't it is
0: sound like a... it's
1: it's and and again, I'm not one of these people who's been crapping on Neil Blomkamp this whole time. I know a lot of people didn't like his follow-ups to District Nine. I think Elysium is fine. I think Chappie is a mess, but it's not an uninteresting mess. It's... Demonic is frustratingly uninteresting, and it really does feel like he doesn't have any interest in the horror genre. Mm. And the sci-fi element is not interestingly explored either. This feels like some kind of weird exercise mm. that got out of hand and accidentally got released to the world. Like no, no. This is uh this is a bad this is a bad motion picture. Uh, but uh, there's one last film we're talking about this week, and you saw it, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. So tell me about Crypto Zoo. Uh, Crypto
0: Zoo is an animated film uh, that's playing in some indie theaters around town. It's playing at the New Art right mm. now, uh, and it is about a zoo full of cryptids. That is nice. an, an animal, an animal whose existence hasn't really been fully substantiated yet.
1: Yeah, it's it's only rumor. Unicorns, yeah. Bigfoots. Yeah, and, and, you know? and um. Jackalopes.
0: And uh, the, the film opens with uh, like a hippie couple wandering out into the woods and saying, oh no, we're lost. And they lay down and they have sex and they wander off and find this gigantic fence in the middle of, uh, the, middle of the woods. They climb over it. They see a unicorn. They are not really sure what to make of the unicorn. They antagonize it. It kills one of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like impales it with the it, thing. With, with the horn. Nice. And, and in,
0: nice. as, as revenge, uh, the woman kills the unicorn okay and they're and she's like oh shit i killed a unicorn what am i gonna do like pick picks up her her uh dead boyfriend and tries to start carrying him through the woods comes upon some pit toilets and some like crew guys like tending to like zoo uh cages Mm -hmm. and all of the cages are full of cryptids cryptid uh various monsters from around the country
1: i can't imagine they're happy that she killed their unicorn
0: no they're 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 quite <laughs> upset and uh we then shift focus to the main character of the story uh played by Lake Bell uh she plays a character named Lauren who has made it her goal to travel the world looking for other cryptids to put in this zoo and the description of the zoo is very much like Jurassic Park it's supposed to be like a theme park for people to come in mm-hmm. and meet the cryptids but the cryptids also like run the merchandise counters and sell food to people Okay. And it's sold as this kind of utopia, but it's also this really kind of like crassly commercial thing, like a like a sideshow.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh she's really in search of something called a Baku, which is a little like miniature elephant monster that can eat dreams out of your head. And mm. she encountered this thing as a child and is really attached to it. Uh meanwhile, the military are on her tail and are also looking for cryptids. Uh she teams up with a satyr and medusa so they can go out into the world and find uh, find other cryptids. On paper this sounds like the most insufferable young adult novel that you've ever read <laughs> and a lot of the dialogue plays out that way. Oh no, the military is after us and everything's mm. very perfunctory and the plot is very predictable. Yeah. And you know it's like we need all these uh bromides about People fear what's different, so we're just gonna kill the kraken. See, and when it's... you describe
1: that, I was thinking like, what if Wes Anderson did this? It sounds like that's the vibe well, I was. That would be down for. The
0: the dialogue kind is of
1: twee and cute. It's it's very perfunctory, <laughs> and it
0: feels kind of twee because it actually is laid back to a fault. The, uh. Everything's delivered in this very sort of lazy fashion. Everybody's really kind of laid back. No, Nothing ever really seems to feel dramatic, even when, like, guns start going off and helicopters start crashing. Mm. And the style of animation is, uh, like, a very rudimentary style, like, pencil drawings with, uh, like, watercolors.
1: Okay.
0: Um, did you ever see the Henry Darger documentary? Um,
1: oh, yeah, uh, I did. Uh, oh, what was that? Um, what
0: was that one called? Uh, uh, Henry Darger was an I'll outsider artist. He was... Uh, uh, a janitor who never talked to anybody but secretly back in his very very small apartment was working on this epic thousands and thousands of page novel about this ongoing war between mm-hmm. this army of godlike little girls and the evil forces that would destroy the world and uh when he uh had i think he had a heart attack and was taken to the hospital they finally discovered this thing that he'd been working. yeah he
1: died he died and it was only after he died that they actually went into his apartment they found this before he died
0: oh that's right and they they actually talked to him about it's like you've been working on this and it's all incredible and 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 this is all amazing can we put it out to the world and his comment was it's too late now yeah you should have you should have caught me when i was working on this thing i'm I'm done i will never be able to
1: enjoy people enjoying my work Mm. Uh, but yeah, sorry. But he be, died shortly thereafter. Yeah, the film is called "The In the Realms of the Unreal: The go. Mystery of Henry Darger." Yeah, um, and,
0: and if you've if you've yeah. seen that, it's a good documentary. The animation in Crypto Zoo looks like Henry Darger art. Oh, okay. Like it has this kind of outsider hand drawn like something you would draw on your notes in high school kind of mm. quality to it, and the movements are all very kind of kind of jerky and and blendy, uh, interesting kinds of. Uh, not stiff non movements to convey mm. actual movement, and okay. when it starts talking about abstract things and about dreams or showing montages, it goes into this we these weird sort of kaleidoscopic visuals where everything starts to overlap, and in those moments, it becomes really quite beautiful. uh mm. There's even kind of a comic version of that when they're describing the crypto zoo itself. It's like, and we're going to go through the crypto zoo, and everybody works at these food stations, and in fact, we have food from all over the world you can get pizza and, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and over here you can get pad thai like they're describing the most like banal things but yeah. we get to see all of these things kind like of the real appeal of is you can get pad thai and, uh, yeah. and we've we've been able to uh bring everybody in some of them are, are animals that can be tamed the only animals we haven't been able to domesticate are the wild rock and the kraken and we have these things and of course the rock ends up attacking a helicopter later so in the movie what's the rock the, the giant bird, the rock. Oh, that! Yeah. Sorry, yeah,
1: sorry. It took me a second.
0: Not, not Dwayne Johnson. He's no. not. A, he's not a cryptid. As just far think, as I was just thinking of like a
1: big rock. Like it's just oh, a right. big rock. We haven't been able to tame this rock yet. We're mm. not even sure it's a cryptid. Really, it's just sort of here. Yeah. I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson might be a cryptid. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's yeah. A, it's a, a Samoan cryptid. Mm. Uh, he, uh, uh, Michael Cera is in this. He's the army guy. Uh, Peter Stormare plays the satyr. Uh, nice. He's, uh, Zoe Deschanel, Kazan. Oh, Zoey Kazan. I love Zoe, Zoe. Kazan. Um, yeah, she's great. Uh, she she uh, shows up in this as well. Uh, it it does skew into a lot of cliche by the end, though, and you do realize that there's not a script here. Oh. They had a lot. Uh, it's it's partially made by a comic book author. His name is uh, uh, Dash Shaw okay. I know that name.
1: I do we know that name
0: from? Uh, he did uh comics called Cosplayers, uh Doctors, New School, and Bottomless
1: Belly Button. Mm, that's not what I know well, maybe maybe thinking of someone else. And, maybe knows uh, other works I'm Clearly
0: he wanted to make a feature film. He's interested in cryptids, mm-hmm. but this treats
1: cryptids like they're
0: X-Men. He did that she
1: did that movie My Entire High School sinking into the sea. Oh I didn't yeah, I didn't see it. Okay, that that one. that's what I know the name from. Okay.
0: He also, he also did this film,
1: Crypto zoo And
0: yeah. uh you can tell he's a, a lot of passion for bringing sort of a lot of interesting visuals, but he doesn't have a story here. Mm. There's nothing really fascinating. Like he started with Crypto Zoo and ended up just falling back into like these really safe, uh, really tired, boring cliches to the point mm. where you realize he didn't really have an idea here. This feels really, really unformed. It almost feels like the first draft of a movie rather than the completed product. So at, at the end, it just isn't all that substantial. It kind of like lulls you for a little bit and you get sort of slowed down by its kind of nice slow pace and mellow atmosphere. But, but to no particular end. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, it's just sort of slowing you down and
1: after a while you're just slow. <laughs> well, um... That's, so a big old mixed bag of a week, huh? Yeah,
0: a little bit of a mixed bag. Yeah,
1: alright, so uh, we're gonna review our films on the critically acclaimed scale. The critically acclaimed scale is thus. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes from C- minus, below average. We don't recommend it. To a C, average. Little hit or miss. Maybe you'll dig it, maybe you won't. And then C plus, we definitely recommend it. Maybe it's even great. And that's uh I used to say that most films are average. Uh-huh. And then in the recent episode of We've Got Mail, we found out that we're a little kinder than we thought. <laughs> we and don't... we give more free and we give more passing grades uh-huh. uh, uh, than we realize. So technically most movies by a slim margin are good. (laughs) So we are not, we are not tyrannical monsters as film critics go.
0: As, as critics, when you post on rotten tomatoes, there's, I'm not sure if they even still have this, but they'll give you uh, like your name and how often you agree with, the consensus oh, yeah. tomato meter. I haven't checked that in a long time. I don't know if they still do that. Yeah. And like my agreement meter was like in the high seventies, and I was a little bit embarrassed. Like, no, I want to be more contrarian than that, right? I don't yeah. want to agree with the tomato meter, <laughs> but you know, I have to be honest. No, it's so, the way it works yeah. out.
1: That's the way it works out. But um, in any case, uh, we always go in reverse order. So Whitney, tell us uh how does Crypto Zoo uh, uh, pan out on the critically acclaimed scale? I,
0: I really wanted to like this more. Uh, I like. I like cryptids, I like cryptozoology, it's an interest of mine, but yeah, they don't do anything interesting with this story, so it's a C-. minus. That's a shame. It's ultimately not a success.
1: Uh, Demonic is just not a good movie. Nothing Mm. about it works, the characters don't work, the performances aren't particularly good, there's like one decent scare in it, but that's not a lot for even a short film. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a big ol' whiff. Uh, So yeah, that's a big ol' C-. minus. It's definitely... Mm. One of the one of the worst movies I've seen all year, which is just a damn shame. So sorry. Uh, The Night House is also a bit of a mixed bag because it starts off great, and then it never quite comes together. Um, I cannot, in good conscience, give it a C minus just because it doesn't really like ever get bad. It just never achieves its full potential. So I'm going to give it. mm, Do I give it a high C or a low C (laughs) plus? it's
0: it's It's your heart
1: all i'm going to give heart. it a high C I can't, okay. i give, i think it's it's so close to being great, but it steps it takes one step way back uh, however, Rebecca Hall is giving a c plus performance, which sounds a lot better in the context of our podcast than it does in a vacuum yeah. <laughs> Rebecca Hall is giving an amazing performance yes, all right reminiscence uh i I know
0: I have the minority opinion, but I am giving it a c plus okay, I, I I liked the richness of the world. I liked the science science fiction conceit. I think mm-hmm. it's just really a, a pretty well-constructed film. Mm-hmm. And I did like the performances. Um, it, it And I do like that it's kind of dour and hopeless at the end. That <laughs> It didn't end up that the science fiction conceit can fix everything. It's all still about that human beings will suffer and die.
1: Um, yeah, that is... All of the things you like about it are the things I like about it, except ultimately I feel that the romance at the heart of it never quite justifies the plot. Mm. I feel like they kind of uh, sort of miscalculated how emotional that should be. I think that dourness is too present at the beginning. Okay. Even though I, I'm fine with a dour ending. So for me, it's a low C. Uh, it's definitely not a bad movie, but it doesn't quite come together and I don't think it maximizes the potential of the concept. Mm. Uh, the Protégé... Is a very pleasant C. Plus. Just mm. a really rock solid, well-crafted, well-acted, impressively sexy assassin movie from director Martin Campbell, mm. uh with a really, really good cast. So if uh I do like, definitely I, recommend it. I see still
0: got it. Um, yeah. I I remember really digging on Goldeneye way back in the day. Mm-hmm.
1: So Yeah, no, it's mm. it's a it's a mature Action thriller that that really does work. And I do hope more people take a look at it. And then lastly, Paw Patrol.
0: Uh, I'll give it a C. Uh, It's it's bright and heroic and okay for little kids. It's not terribly sophisticated but it's not designed that way
1: yeah this is very clearly intended for a young audience Mm. and so you do have to you do have to consider that i think you know Mm -hmm. as an adult you're gonna be a little bored perhaps well uh, but that's it's it's not here for you is it
0: consider this um and i'm not saying think like a parent but mm -hmm. think uh what sort of messages is a film like paw patrol giving to a young child
1: i agree and i think mostly the messages are pretty good
0: the the messages are pretty good we're talking about you know defunding the police but those Mm -hmm. are more sophisticated things that a kid won't be keying into. I I
1: agree with that. And I think that there, that's my issue with it as a film is that I feel like it could have been a little more solidly developed without undermining all of these good, nice kid things about it. And I don't think they, they went that far. It's kind of a bummer, so that's why it's not a C plus. And I do think there are a couple too many like fat jokes and jokes about. I don't remember I any fat there's jokes. A, there's just a couple of things about how like the pug dog is, always, the bulldog is always needs food, and oh, he doesn't fit in his clothes, and just these little things that are just oh. they're just little things, but okay. they're they're prevalent and they're pervasive, and they don't seem to be very well examined and little things like that. Not so much that they ruin the movie, but they're worth noting hmm. that it isn't like entirely, you know, golden, but. Um. Yeah. This is a. The, oh, by and large, this is a harmless little movie, mm. and I think that in terms of it's trying to espouse something positive, and it mostly succeeds. And it's not doing some of the worst things that kids movies do lately. Mm. Um. I got to at least give it a see. I right. think it's a. It's a. It's it's just it's, okay. It, it's up.
0: It's upbeat. It's yeah. positive. It's it is innocuous and. Yeah. If I if I had children, very and they, unsophisticated movie. If I yeah. had children
1: and they really wanted to watch this, Their there other kids' movies I would much prefer they not watch instead. That, right. So I would be like, okay, fine, you can watch Paw Patrol the movie again. That can yeah, right. I think I'm so I glad think, we uh, got Paramount Plus. <laughs>
0: I I think I may have mentioned this before, but I took my kid to see uh, The Secret Life of Pets 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, And uh, we didn't make it through, I didn't review it because we didn't make it through the whole thing. He wanted to leave before the movie was over. There were, there's some scary wolves in it. Yeah, the bad guy has
1: like hench wolves that uh, are pretty pretty.
0: Also, my son doesn't really care much for movies. Like, he's not excited Mm. to be in a theater. Once he was done with his soda, the movie was over. It's like, (laughs) okay, I'm done. I'm here for the snacks, damn it. More or less. That's That's how I am at
1: baseball games. I'm here for the big hot dog. (laughs) And I ate the big hot dog And now I'm done Mm. Thank you
0: But uh, when I was watching that movie And I'm with my young child And I'm thinking What is he getting from this movie And the Secret Life of Pets too is an incredibly mean spirited movie. It is. All the jokes are based on humiliating other characters or making mm-hmm. mocking how they feel
1: about the world. Yeah, or... like the protagonist dog has like is like really protective of a oh. child and is he's a, a very bit neurotic fe- he's and a the ver- soli- very fear- fearful character. But the solution uh... to his problem is to be a man. Well, the, you if, know, and that's well, that's and not that's, healthy. That's not
0: what I'm that's not what I'm taking from it. What Uh, I'm taking from it is that he is a fearful character and all of the other characters are laughing at him yeah, for being fearful and, uh, and 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 humiliating him for being fearful. And the solution isn't that
1: they need to understand him better. The solution is that our hero dog is supposed to buck up. And I think that's part and parcel.
0: The solution is that these other characters are not being told to be kind. Exactly. That's my point. Exactly. And uh, And I'm just, I went
1: about it the other way, but yes, I agree um, with you. That's exactly what I'm saying.
0: And, uh, you know, the, a dog arrives at, at a farm and says, wow, I'm excited to be on a farm. And the cow makes fun of the dog for being excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a lot of, like, slapping and yelling and mucking in a movie like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm realizing that my kid is not old enough for something like The Secret Life of Pets too. Yeah.
1: Paw Patrol, it's not a healthy which, attitude which skews, to to a little kid. excuse
0: yeah, yeah. skews a younger than The Secret Life Like, a, a nine-year-old could see The uh, Secret yeah. Life of Pets. Paw Patrol's for, like, four-year-olds. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, you know, it's a preschool movie, mm. but it's, as a result, a lot more positive and wholesome. And yeah. I think uh, a kid gets something a little bit better from a movie like Paw Patrol.
1: And I think that's great. Mm. Um, okay, so that is it for Critically Acclaimed this week. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week with more reviews, mm. probably of well ne- next something. W- next week is the next Avengers movie, isn't it? No, it's the week after, isn't it? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, maybe soon. It's the first week in, like, September. Oh, I think it's the first right. Marvel movie to open in September. I think that's why I remember that. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so we got like another week or two for that. There's there's other stuff coming out, hmm. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. We'll we'll see it when we see it, won't uh, we?
0: We'll be reviewing the, not... the new Ted Bundy movie. Uh, there's another Ted Bundy there's movie? There's another Ted Bundy oh my, movie. This, really? this one with Elijah Wood. Um, oh, my God. Uh, it's why? about the, uh, the birth of FBI profiling and how oh. Ted Bundy was actually very extensively interviewed about his mental
1: illnesses and wasn't to get that what that better, David Fincher series was about too, Mind Unders?
0: Oh I got it. It was I about like the birth of F profile. Okay, well anyway. Uh, I guess that well here's a movie about the same thing. All right. Um gonna be talking about other film uh, the new Candyman film is coming out next
1: week too. Oh is that this week?
0: Yeah Candyman oh, four shit. is coming out this
1: okay, week. Okay well that so. I'm actually excited about. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah we'll be reviewing all that stuff and I hope it's good uh thank you everybody for listening uh thank you very special thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network yes indeed we without you we wouldn't be here no one would have any of these shows even if you're not a patreon uh even if you're not a patron these shows would not be here so thank you to all of our patrons you're the reason we're here thank you so much Uh, and, uh, yeah, if you want to become a patron, you get a bunch of exclusive shows. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network. We'd love to see you. We're doing an online hangout later this week. Uh, so, uh, yeah, check, uh, check your local listings. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, we're also on Twitter at critic acclaim. I am at William Bibbiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Uh, if you want to write in about anything we discussed on this episode or anything else you want to talk about, we have a podcast called We've Got Mail and we respond to your emails. Our email address is letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. We also have a P.O. box, which I keep forgetting to memorize, Whitney. <laughs> uh, Critically Acclaimed Network, P.O. box six four one five six five Los Angeles, California, 90064. And we also have some other stuff that we do as well. Uh, I run a soap store. Uh, With my partner M. Lampas De Silva It's an online store over on Etsy We're on social media and Instagram At Salt Cat Soap But if you head on over to the Etsy store Salt Cat Soap We have handcrafted designer soaps And we release new designs every single month Sometimes in between as well And we've got uh, fancy smelling soaps We've got uh, lotions as well Bath salts, stickers with Luca on them um it's all over there so thank you everybody who's already bought some stuff leave us a review if you haven't um the review's have been really kind so we're really grateful for that and then whitney has another podcast that we sometimes forget to mention it's right uh
0: over on the screens margins which is the network run by b peterson uh they and i talk about what we watched on ovid that week ovid is a really wonderful streaming service that you should probably be subscribing to uh, which has all the deep cut art house stuff that you've never heard of. If Criterion is too commercial for you,
1: Ovid is the place to go.
0: Yeah. If if you remember wanting to see that one movie that was playing at your local museum for a
1: day, <laughs> but
0: you couldn't go because it was at 1130 a.m. on a Wednesday, uh, that's on Ovid now. Uh, go go see it there. If you want to see uh, o- oblique political French movies that are over five hours of, in length, that's where you go. And so... Uh, B and I really love Ovid, and so we just talk about whatever we got to on Ovid. I think think that's great. We've been talking about the films of Patricio Guzman, uh, the Chilean filmmaker, who did the Nostalgia for the Light and the Cordillera of Dreams. So, yeah, a lot of interesting discussions happening. That's awesome. All
1: right, uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll see you all around at all of those places. And never forget, everyone's a critic. I want
0: to go to the Midnight Show. I'm sorry, what?